your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture We'd stick around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that is one small step for pod One giant leap for podcasting Brought to you by He Sees You When You're Sleeping. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not shout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. The nerve-threading new festive slasher by Wes Craven. This year, the naughty list just got nasty. <laughs> this sounds excellent, um, particularly like the, the voice there during the... <laughs> <laughs> during the song well it, it's already it's already been controversial uh, not just because it's sullying the good name of santa claus um but mental health campaigners have alleged that it, it is um demonizing the, the mentally unwell because santa has a psychotic episode in it uh, so okay. there's been a twitter war over it um also the date has been not controversial because people can't decide whether it's a halloween film or a christmas film Mm-hmm. So they've compromised and gone for November 23rd for a release date, which is exactly <laughs> equidistant between Halloween and Christmas. Okay. Um, Interesting. Seems like a good good ploy to me, but... Can you guess who's playing Santa Claus before I reveal? <laughs> Bruce Willis. No, although he would, have been, he would have been a good shout. Couldn't afford Bruce Willis. Um, we... <laughs> We have gone for everybody's favourite uh, Cockney elf, Danny Dyer, in ageing makeup. <laughs> all, wow. the, all the money went into getting the Barry Manilow song to be converted. Uh, so it's an original stick around production, by the way. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, oh, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of this, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, so the budget, so the budget is slim. We've done well to get da- Danny Dyer, really. I just gave him, gave him a kilo bag of Coke and he was all good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Got good suppliers for that. <laughs> right, you were here for Stick Around Films episode Who the Fuck Knows, which is my new theme for this. Uh, <laughs> I'm Alex Wayne, um, and he's Clive Fisher. Hi. Just, just a streamline one uh, today. Um, this might be a bit of a regular occurrence because we've decided we're doing a weekly pod. We'll certainly have Michael Johnson involved, probably Dave Peeling a few times, and probably others as well, but um, we'll be consistent. Yeah, we're going to continue with the with the other pods, but um, hopefully try and make films as weekly as we can. <laughs> Just because we watch a lot of films, because you know, yeah. we, we don't go we don't get out that much other than to the cinema. Yeah, um, pretty much. We've got quite a lot to talk about today, but we will be because we're doing it weekly now. We're going to be holding back on some. We've got two reviews apiece, and we're going to start with Clive. Oh, are first. we? Okay, right, well, I'm going to talk about a film that I know you've seen as well, so we can discuss afterwards. Um, I'm going to talk about A Star Is Born, um, which I went to see a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, Bradley Cooper stars in and directs this tale of kind of successful musician meets and falls in love with aspiring but struggling musician, um, with the latter played by Lady Gaga. It's apparently the fourth remake since the original release of the film in 1937. I've not seen any of the others or heard of them, actually, So, which I think are quite strange. Maybe I should have. I don't know. Had you? No, I haven't seen any of Oh, those. okay, okay. Cool. Had you heard of the others, though? Because um, I hadn't I, even heard of them. No, I knew of their existence, but um, they didn't really appeal to me. In fact, this one didn't to start with. Um, yeah, sure. 
I'll go into that actually because I, I was similar. <laughs> um, so I, I went into this um, a little bit worried because I feel like you know musician love stories tend to follow kind of a similar arc, and um, it seemed to me like Cooper's character. Um, Jackson Maine wasn't all that original just based on I hadn't even seen a trailer to be fair I'd just um, seen a few pictures and not I didn't I didn't want to read any reviews going into it and stuff like that I tend to avoid trailers unless they come up at the start of a film obviously then I can't avoid them Um, but I don't think this one had but um, Beck was really keen to see it so I was like yeah yeah I'll come along because I'm a big Bradley Cooper fan and also I wanted to see Lady Gaga perform the film won me around pretty quickly just I mean uh, Right at the start, I was, again, a bit concerned because Cooper's character didn't seem to be all that original. It seemed to be kind of a <laughs> giving foundation to all the worries that I had. I was like, oh, OK, he's, he's this kind of drunk, uh, alcoholic performer who's really successful but not that happy. Um, it's kind of a trope we've seen plenty of in Hollywood, I think. Um, but the, the film won me around pretty quickly. Like, it, um, it definitely has some well-worn themes, not just those that I've mentioned. But um, I think it's also made and performed with a lot of heart, which to me is what won, it round, won me round. Um, Jackson Maine, Brad, played by Bradley Cooper, like I say, is a character we've seen many times before. But to me, it's the way in which other characters in the film kind of deal with him and look at him and um, how, how I suppose the film sees him, which I suppose is probably a lot to do with the fact that Bradley Cooper directed it. Um, that makes A Star is Born like stand out from other films of a similar nature to me. Um, it's a bit more sympathetic, empathetic towards him. It's um, There's kind of... I feel like often there's this kind of idea that, you know, this alcoholism and self-destructive nature of these <laughs> rock stars is entirely selfish and that's kind of the viewpoint that um, the film holds and then, oh, lo and behold, someone comes along and they suddenly turn all lovely and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no longer have those problems um, but the, I think this film sees it as something a bit deeper than that and something a bit less selfish um, which I thought was really refreshing and not something I expected going into the film so that was really great um, I think one of the, the best things about the film is that Lady Gaga really does give a brilliant performance as Ali um, which never stopped surprising me to be honest I went in thinking yeah yeah everyone's just raving about her because it's Lady Gaga and they're like <laughs> And she can act a little bit. Um, but um, she's, I thought she was excellent. She conveys kind of a confidence as something that's not like in confident in every situation. She's quite clearly quite a confident woman and like a powerful um, character. But she's also quite timid in some scenes. And I think that's uh, like a kind of realistic portrayal of someone. Because <laughs> I don't think every, every, anyone's just like completely um, this powerful, confident character in every situation. Um, which I thought made her feel a lot more real. And I thought her character just didn't follow the keep it real and ground rootsy trait that exa- that you might have expected her to, you know, in a if it was a similar film made by someone else, which I thought was again refreshing. It kind of went into a bit, little bit more of about the record record industry's kind of habits and um, looked at it in a little bit more of a balanced angle, I suppose, than just this is bad. Um, the concert footage, I think, is notable because um, I heard Bradley Cooper in an interview. I can't remember which one it was. It might have been... Um, oh, I've got a bloody name. <laughs> the guy who does... The really famous guy who does uh, interviews on the BBC. Anyway. Uh, Simon Mayo? No, no, it wasn't a podcast. It was a TV show. Graham Norton? Yes, Graham Norton. I Graham had Graham on my head. Graham Norton, yes. He was um, interviewing him, I think, and he just said that he kind of went to this Metallica gig and he was uh, stood behind Lars Ulrich, the drummer, and he was kind of like, wow, this is kind of a, you know, a shot that is really unique and kind of immersive, this idea of like being right behind the band and then seeing this massive crowd in front and 
I thought you really captured that. I think you kind of feel like you're on the stage with them as a kind of in a kind of fly in the world style rather than oh this is a uh, you know a rock uh, sort of rock band's DVD <laughs> live DVD, mm. um, which I thought was really really good. And I think they filmed it actually at Glastonbury apparently, and they had to they did like a bit where they could only they couldn't use the full PA because they didn't want the songs to get out so only like the first five rows could actually hear anything <laughs> um, but the, the rows went all the way back or something I did you hear something like that I don't know about Glastonbury but I know that Michael was there at Coachella when they filmed there but they they might have filmed at both um, oh, maybe it was Coachella instead I'm not sure yeah I, it, could, it could have been both but um I've no idea I hadn't heard about the PA uh, before it's quite interesting that I'm surprised they didn't let them listen to the full thing yeah, I am. I thought that, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, it is going to get out. Some people are going to film it on their phones or whatever, but does it really matter? I think that's probably a good press for the film, if anything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, So, yeah, I'd have just I'd have just gone for that. But, but yeah, like I say, I think those shots are fantastic, and I think that's um, really kind of gives that feeling of the, well, the, the kind of stage performance that is kind of the anchor of this guy's life, really. That's, you know, everything kind of revolves around that. It's go on stage, and afterwards... It's a little bit lonely and uh, <laughs> not not quite the same, and so I thought it conveyed that really really well. Overall, I thought it was a like a surprisingly fresh take on a tired formula, which updates its themes on kind of old age problems with more modern attitudes, I suppose, and throws in a bunch of good songs. It's definitely not going to make my top five, but I think it's like very good entertainment and well worth a watch and definitely surprised me. I think I gave it a seven and a half out of ten on the uh, <laughs> on the old website. Uh, when I reviewed it, so you did. You did that's kind of that's pretty much how I feel about it. Yeah, and I'm sure I've said a lot of the similar things, but I've tried to throw in a few extra things. But yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. I thought it was good. What did you think, ML? Um, I was probably uh, even warmer warmer on it than you were, and I'm. Oh wow! Uh, I thought I'm, you were going to go the other way. <laughs> no, no, no! I'm very surprised. Um, I've got to be honest. It really, it really got to me actually because I went in with quite low expectations for once mm. i hadn't actually read any reviews going in and i thought to be honest with you i went with i went with my girlfriend nicola and she, she's a big fan of musicals i know it's not strictly a musical but um you know musical numbers as such and um i i was really won over by it i thought the music was excellent um mm-hmm. it's not all particularly to my taste per se but i could recognize the musicianship in it and uh, bradley cooper a surprisingly good singer and yeah, I'd, he is. Yeah, and even though you're right, there are a lot of cliches to the to the characterisation. I bought into it. Um, I thought I thought Bradley Cooper was convincing, and I, what what I liked about his performance, and I don't know if this is just me, I liked how despite the fact he's clearly you know quite a sad man. I mean, literally sad, depressed as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked how he's consistently kind of got like a wry smile on his face, which I think is accurate. Because mm-hmm. you can be de- you can be depressed and kind of laughing at yourself in the situation while being so, and I thought that yeah, was, yeah, sure. there was a nuance to it. And there's this thing he keeps doing with his hand as well, which um, I thought was a great little tick as such. It's fr- from what I understand, the story is pretty much you know, but you know, note for note, the story of the other ones with you know minor differences. Uh, but having not seen the others, that's not a problem for me, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't seem to be a problem for people who are fans of the originals. Um, I thought it was maybe predictable. I, I mean, I could have seen the ending coming if I mm-hmm. if I'd thought to think ahead. But um, yeah, I, I really went along for the ride. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was 
I think it was a really good melodrama, if you like. Um, mm. And I've got no problem with that. And not everything has to be deeply intellectual, deeply subtle as such. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd probably give it like a 9 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was extremely well done. Oh, wow. Well okay, done. cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I just had a really good time. I thought it was really well done. And I thought it was just the the, the direction, I thought, which is surprising from a first-time director like Bradley Cooper, mm-hmm. um, was really unshowy despite how melodramatic the story in itself naturally yeah, is. Yeah. And it did actually have me doing. Um, there was a little. There's a joke in it, which it's not a particularly funny movie, that actually really, really caught me as well. Um, there's a bit where, and I'll spoil this for anyone who hasn't seen it, but um, he's talking with the odious manager of Ali. Um, that's Lady Gaga, mm-hmm. and he's wearing trainer socks. And Bradley Cooper's character <laughs> is completely bemused by the fact. Why are you pretending you're not wearing socks? I don't know why I can't do it justice. Just um, quoting yeah, him. Yeah, I remember that bit. But that, that, that bit just amused me somewhat. Um, but yeah, I, I was really, really high on this. Um, maybe my, my score would come down if I watched it again, but and possibly it was because I went in with low expectations. But it just absolutely blew them out of the water. Um, oh, that's great! Yeah, um, well, that's really good to hear. I didn't expect you to be that high on it, but yeah, it is. I think the like you said, there is definitely a melodrama between the two. And that is that kind of goes throughout the film, and I think it is what happens in their relationship, which is kind of the core of the film. Is really interesting. Well, I thought that the um, the chemistry was really believable, actually. Yeah. Which um, again is a hard thing to do. Um, which is credit to Lady Gaga, credit to Bradley Cooper, and credit to the direction. For show, sure. awesome. Um, Al, what's the, what's the first film you've got for us? Okay, so I'm going to talk about um, July twenty two which is not a cin- cinematic release, it's a Netflix original film. Um, it could have easily had a cinematic release, but um, from what I understand, the director, Paul Greengrass, who you might better know from the um, Jason Bourne films, uh, from United 93, and plenty of others, um, I think he wanted it to have quite a wide-ranging um, release. And his, his, you know, his reasoning was that Netflix gets places that others... That other, films can't or other productions so it's about the 2011 uh, Norway attacks um, the massacre on Utah Island and the bombing of a government building by the um, well despicable Anders Breivik and um, this is a controversial one for, for many reasons that are immediately obvious I'm sure um, for one it didn't happen that long ago generally films about events like this there tends to be a almost a grace period where you, you know you're not supposed to make a film about it, but this one is relatively short, and also the film has come under quite a lot of scrutiny for um, you know giving Brevik too much of a platform as such, albeit you know damning him and portraying him as a self-obsessed psychopath. Um, you know, I think a, there's a, there's actually a, a rival film which I forget the complete name. I think it's just called Utoya which b- barely gives Brevik a platform at all. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it's come out at roughly the same time as well, which is interesting. Um, as for the film, just as in of itself, forgetting context, which you can't always do, but let's try. It tells the story from the perspective of a few teenagers who were on Utah Island for the most part. Um, you, you see the harrowing attack at the, at, the, at the start, and then you follow what, one particular kid as he's recovering, uh, very slow recovery, uh, trying to get back to full fitness and the the, kind of the mental health problems he has with that along the way. 
side by side, you're following Brevik's case where Brevik is trying to turn uh, his court case into a political, you know, um, political show, really, where he wants to speak in court. He wants his manifesto to be read. Uh, and it's kind of the battle, the, the kind of the uh, the parallel battle Brevik's having with the, the legal system and this um, this young man is having trying to recover. Um, now, I thought this was, while I think it really hasn't taken a huge, you know, a huge time to come out, possibly not as long as it should have done, um, I think it's kind of relevant now when you've got uh, you know, fascist attacks, particularly, unfortunately, in America, happening today. Uh, you've got people attacking synagogues. So I think, in terms of context in that respect, I think it is uh, is pressing, despite the fact those attacks have happened afterwards. The film itself is half good, half half fairly poor, if you ask me. I would say that, to one extent, the, the characterization of the victims is excellently done. I felt that... Um, it wasn't um, well to go back to that word melodramatic, and it wasn't. It, there, was no, there wasn't any sense of over the top. The characters were genuine teenagers with genuine reactions to what had happened to them, and I felt it. It didn't victimize them too much. It didn't make them into, you know, look at these poor people. It wasn't too sympathetic to the point where it would be patronizing. I thought that was well done, and I thought the performance um, of. Anders Danielson Lee as Anders Brevik uh, was excellent. I thought he was chilling. I, unfortunately, I have to concur with a lot of the criticism of the film in the sense that often, and I think this is possibly a a choice that Greengrass made consciously, often the film is shot quite televisually in the sense that it's, it's a lot of use of handheld cameras. Uh, there's no particular uh, use of cinematic technique to capture either the attack or the aftermath. Um, you could easily, visually, aesthetically, you know, confuse it with an episode of, um, you know, Prime Suspect or something like that, um, which maybe Greengrass would argue is his attempt to not, um, you know, fetishise the events, uh, but that's a debate for another time. The film doesn't quite work in the sense that it gives it does really give too much time to Anders, Anders Brevik, uh, and it becomes I, I started to feel quite complicit in enjoying uh, watching you know how evil he was you know we can all we can all enjoy watching a baddie in a movie but when the baddie's a real person who killed real people and still exists you start to feel particularly complicit when you're watching mm. it um, and the criticism has been aimed at the film in that respect, as I mentioned, and I think I've got to kind of agree with it. Overall, though, I don't think there was any, um, there was no malice in making this, and I, and I feel it was made with the best intentions. I feel that the film uh, was made to try and hi- try and highlight uh, the far-right problem, I think, that we have in growing internationally. And um, I just don't think it did it quite well enough. And um, I think there seems to be, this film seems to be at the centre of the debate between uh, no platforming, because I know Paul Greengrass in particular is against that. He he believes that everybody should be given the platform to speak, so that um, you know far right opinions can be shot down, ridiculed, etc. And other people are of the opinion that that doesn't work. It just gives ammunition to you know potential supporters, and it and it's a debate that will go on and on. Um, overall, this is 
an okay film, which had its heart in the right place, but ultimately um, didn't feel quite right. That's just me, though. Okay, cool. Um, to be fair, that's better than I was expecting, just because of recent uh, Netflix releases. <laughs> As, uh, they've quite often been uh, reviewed terribly, so this seems to be at least a step above that, and uh, it seems like an interesting watch. It's it's not a bad film at all. It's mm. just it's just it, well, pure, forgetting the controversy, it's it's not good enough. Uh, in terms, of, as I said, uh, visually, aesthetically, it's just mm. not pleasing enough in that respect. And um, as I said, taking it in the context of real life events, it probably does give just too much screen time to Andy Sprevik. He starts to feel like you're watching the Joker, and you know you can enjoy a psychotic character on film when they they aren't real. But like I said, or possibly you know maybe fifty years down the line when he's dead, or you know he's a very old man. Uh, and it's you know things have cooled down a bit maybe you could enjoy the performance more in that respect um see it in, it's in its historical context but um as good as the performance is i found it difficult to enjoy for those reasons um yeah i think it was an interesting effort um and i think i think it will be a film that gets watched in the future i don't think this is going to um go away um especially because i don't think netflix are going anywhere but um you should give it a watch and see what you think because, as I said, it has polarised people. Yeah, I think I definitely will since it's so easy to sit down and watch it. So, yeah. I mean, um, the other the other thing I would mention as well is it, it's all in English despite the fact it uses all Norwegian actors, uh, which Paul Greengrass right. has put down to the fact that he doesn't speak Norwegian. Uh, and if he was going to be directing it, you know, that was the only way he could do it. But it does come across a little bit um, strangely... Uh, in my opinion, it would have been better if it had been filmed in Norwegian with subtitles, but um, that's just me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I suppose it would be tricky, but I suppose you could have, you'd have just had to have a Norwegian right-hand man <laughs> Yeah, you <laughs> would be in to, charge yeah. of on, on deciding if the lines were delivered <laughs> in the right way. Because yeah, you can't really tell if you don't understand, can you? No. Um, cool. Um, well, that's my first one. Um, Clive, what else have you got for us today? Um, so I've just got um, a quick review of another one that you've, you've seen, so we can have a discussion on that, um, which is First Man, that probably a lot of people have seen. I don't know how well it's done, actually. I've not really uh, paid attention. I assume um, it's done well. Well, according to Wikipedia, it was made <laughs> for $59 million and has taken right. in $88 million, which Okay, so it's... It, so apparently the formula for a film being a success is it needs to roughly do double what its budget okay. was to what's called wash its face, uh, which means basically make its money back. So it's still on at the pictures. So I would imagine that at the very worst, it's going to make a small profit, but which is quite good in some respects. Okay, cool. Right, thanks for that update. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, so first, man, I'm sure everyone knows, but it's the... Now, uh, I'm pronouncing this word. They always have a debate about it on uh, <laughs> Komodo Mayo, and then I forget which is the right one. Biopic? I'm going uh, with. Biopic, I think. I but think. it's a biographical picture, right? So yeah. bio, yeah. Bio, I'm, going, I'm going with. Biopic is sounds better to me, whether yeah, or not it's uh, right. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a biopic of Neil Armstrong, directed by Damien Chazelle of La La Land and Whiplash fame, both films I really liked, particularly Whiplash, um, and based on the book of Neil Armstrong's life by James R. Hansen. It stars Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong, Claire Foy as his wife, and then also Jason Clarke, Kyle Chandler, and many more. Good to see Kyle Chandler here, actually. I'm a big fan of his. 
having seen him first in Friday Night Lights, the TV show, which mm. he's excellent in. I've seen him in a few films since. He's always great, I think. He is good, yeah. Plot-wise, I thought it was a fairly straightforward biopic, uh, telling the story of Armstrong's sort of young adulthood up, up to his acceptance into the NASA programme and then eventually, obviously, the moon mission. Um, not much to say on that kind of res- regard. In terms of the cinematography, I really liked it. I thought it gave everything a classy feel without giving it that kind of artificial sheen that I feel um, English prestige pictures often create. Um, I'm thinking things like Final Hour, Imitation Game, which I like. I liked Imitation Game, but I wasn't all that into the cinematography of it. This feels kind of classic. Things are shot quite slowly. Scenes are allowed to breathe. I really liked it. I thought the cinematography was great. I've heard the main criticism I've heard of the film is that um, basically claiming that Gosling doesn't portray Armstrong with much charisma or that just Armstrong didn't have much charisma in the first place, um, which I think is true. However, I don't think like I don't think Armstrong is known as someone with tons of charisma. So I'm kind of glad that um, Gosling took a more realistic take on him rather than give him make him this kind of Hollywood friendly character that I think other people would have done. So I appreciate that, and I think it added to the message that you know normal people can do extraordinary things. Um, and I thought Gosling in the role was was excellent, and I thought. Claire Foy was as well so yeah I don't really buy those criticisms but I can totally see why people would say that because yeah there isn't all that much charisma in the performance and you could say he seemed a bit boring or whatever but um, I I still found him a really interesting character in different ways you know someone doesn't have to be charismatic to be interesting in terms of the what I was expecting going in was obviously Whiplash is I think famous for it's kind of the intensity of its drumming scenes so I was expecting that the the intensity of kind of the launch scene launch scenes and stuff would um kind of live up to that in this and I think generally they do I wouldn't say they're quite as magical just because I suppose with the drumming, it's le- it was less expected um, to be of that intensity. Whereas a launch, you know, it's an intense thing. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be intense. Um, so it's less surprising. But um, I still think those were done in a, in a good way, and it felt, um, you know, it was really bloody loud, and you kind of really felt it felt immersive. That kind of portion, those portions of the film, which I think was great. I think the film is. I think it's a good historical piece. I really liked it. I didn't absolutely love it, but I think it was kind of pretty much, you know, a bit of a Ron Seal. does what it says on the tin. Um, it's, it's set out to do what it was supposed to do, and I think it did it in a way that was at least more interesting than your standard biopic would have been, which would have kind of Hollywoodized everything, and I don't think it did that too much. So, yeah, I liked it. What did you think, Al? Um, yeah, large, largely similar. Um, I thought it was... I liked how it, it focused specifically on the moon landings and, and the run-up to them, rather than giving you the entire... Uh, life story of Neil Armstrong. Um, oh yeah, that's I th- true. I, th- I thought the, I thought the direction was admi- ad- uh, How do you say that word? Admirably <laughs> restrained by uh, Damien Chazelle. Mm. I, I, yeah, I, I was impressed yet again with this direction here. He seemed to um, really rein himself in in you know just generally on the floor scenes, on the floor on the earth scenes, um, and then really ramp it up when you were in the spacecraft and particularly on the moon. I'm not sure if you noticed this, but um, the actual ratio of the film changes depending on where you are. Um, so it's it was filmed in 16mm film while on the ground. Uh, then it went up to 25 in the spaceship in space. Then it went up to full 40 um, on the moon itself. Okay. Actually, those figures might be slightly off, but either way, they changed uh, depending on where they were. And I thought visually, from a cinematic 
perspective, you could see the difference there, and that was really well done. Yeah, I, th- I thought I thought Gosling's performance was restrained, which suits him. That's often his acting style when he's not yeah. being funny, and I think he suited the role here. From you know, I, I haven't read the book. I don't know a whole huge amount about Neil Armstrong, but from what I understand, he was a very reserved character, an ice man as such. And I won't spoil the moment, but there's a moment at the end of the film which some people will probably not like, um, and it's almost definitely a dramatic liberty. But I really liked. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was well done. The cast in general work you know without being uh, there's no oscar bait in here you know there's no performance here which i think is necessarily going to get oscar no that that was refreshing about it actually because yeah. i think this could have been a type of film where it's like gonna be ryan gosling oscar bait and it totally wasn't <laughs> no not at all yeah. i don't think anybody tried to as well which is good no, they, yeah. they just played their parts but well and there were a few moments particularly in the, the accidents that led up to the you know finally getting the people to space that i thought were quite shocking actually out quite out of the blue and yeah i mean it, it was relatively straightforward in that respect um i know there's a huge amount of false c- controversy about the fact that they never saw you never saw a scene of them planting the american flag and whole heaps of you know particularly america republicans jumping on the back of that saying you know and um and i think you know why why on earth can you that insecure i don't know but um <laughs> yeah um i don't have a huge amount more to say in it because you know the, the film isn't really alluding to anything um you know it has no political message as such it has it's not alluding to events that are happening now mm-hmm. it's just telling a story that is well known very well and i thought the only other thing i'll mention is that the the actual scenes where they're in the crafts yeah. I thought were appropriately claustrophobic and I felt I felt you really got the impression of how basically, you know, DIY tin can they were. Everything's mm-hmm. rattling, everything no nothing seemed that all that secure. Um they're really cramped in. Again, I'll give that credit to the direction and the cinematography. Um really excellently done. And I'm just looking cool. at this cast, by the way, and wow, it's a massive cast, isn't it, of names. Yeah, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy, uh, Jason Clark, Kyle Chandler. Corey Stoll, maybe not on name you know, but you'll have seen his face. He's the one who plays Buzz Aldrin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kieran Hines, Christopher Abbott, Patrick Fugit, Lucas Has. These are all name actors, kind of character actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good job of casting as well. I mean, it's not really a film that's going to inspire that much debate unless you are a fiercely neo-fascist pa- patriot, air quotes, <laughs> who's bothered about the flag, which is definitely in the film still. But anyway, yeah, really well done. It's not going to be you know one of my favourite films of the year. But I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same. I suppose the only mess it's not really a message, it's more a thing that it throws up, is the it throws up the debate of um whether it's worth it or not at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, I of, suppose so. I suppose of the so. kind of cost of the the cost of the programme in not just, you know, in lives as well as mm. as well as money. But um yeah, it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily have a no. I suppose it goes on the side of it is worth it, which it's going to, isn't it? It's about Neil Armstrong, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well it's it's an it it's an interesting one, really, isn't it? I mean, stepping aside from the film just to that debate, you know, it's a lot of money you have to spend to do with something that is ultimately, to start with at least, just symbolic, you know, acts like this eventually perhaps, you know, will lead to us leaving the planet or possibly getting resources from other planets and may ultimately be worth it. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the scheme of the lifespans of the people who are doing it or the people who are around, 
it's ultimately going to be you know wasted money as far as they're concerned. Yeah, um, sure. So I, c- I can see the debate both ways, but we, we don't seem to be sending anyone anywhere at the minute, do we? No, we don't. So <laughs> I bet you if you told people in 1969 that we wouldn't have gone to Mars by now, they'd have laughed at you because they'd just gone to the moon in 1969. And I know Mars is further, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but... Um, it, it does seem it does seem strange, but yeah, we're living in strange times. Faux show, um, right? Well, that's my um, second and last review. Um, Al, what's your last oh. review? I believe it's going to be something I'm rather excited about. Oh, I hope, ooh, pressure. Okay, <laughs> so this isn't a new release. It's, we're actually coming to this quite late. It's finished in the cinema, uh, but it is a 2018 release. I believe it came out maybe three or four months ago. Um, it's called Leave No Trace. Um, it's directed by Deborah Granick, who's a well-respected art house director who, I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of, but um, I will definitely be getting more into. Um, it stars Ben Foster, who people might know from the Lance Armstrong biopic or, and Helen Highwater. And it stars a youthful performance from somebody called Thomas and McKenzie and a l- largely an unknown cast for the, for the, rest, of the rest of the picture. Um, tells the story of an Iraq War veteran who's obviously suffering from PTSD and his young 13-year-old daughter and his inability really to live in society. So he lives, they live out in the woods, which is, in, well, the woods in the middle of a national park, uh, scavenging for um, not just food but supplies, making their way occasionally into society to buy food, uh, selling medication that um, he the main character is supposed to use for his PTSD in order to get by. Uh, it's no spoiler to say that the the real dramatic, you know, crux of the film is when they are discovered and forced to re-enter society. Uh, and I, I won't say anything more regarding the plot from there. As you can probably tell by things I've alluded to just then, I absolutely adored this film, and it's um, it might be my favourite film of the year. I still haven't quite decided, but it's definitely Ooh. you know number one or number two at worst unless something else really good comes along. This film is is utterly superb. Um, the performances are restrained, but convincingly convincingly intimate. Um, the relationship between uh, Will, that's Ben Foster's character, and Tom, who's his daughter, confusingly, are, are excellent. Um, the chemistry, uh, the way they bond, the way when events develop in the film... They react to them, are convincing. Uh, there's nothing in this film which screams, thinking, why are you doing that? You know, that doesn't make any sense. And this is a film that's grounded in reality, despite the fact, obviously, I'm assuming that this doesn't happen too often. What, what I also liked about the film is, a bit like a film I reviewed last year, I believe, Manchester by the Sea, it gives no easy answers to, um, you know, hard things that have happened in people's life. Um Will, you know, we, we never get into why he's got PTSD, except for the fact he's been at war, obviously. And we've got to we've got to accept that there are no easy ways that he's going to get past his issues. And what I also liked about it is the government in this, or the, the social services, often in a film like this, you'll see them as the bad guys, ripping apart, uh, you know, a life that these two people are liking. It's alternative, yes, but, you know, they're getting by. And often you would see these mindless bureaucracy tearing apart their lives, father and daughter. That That isn't the case in this film. Everybody in this film is sincerely trying to help these two. 
you know, they've got a job, they can't let someone just live in the park. It's public land and it's considered unsafe. And it, the film just has no easy answers. It's beautifully shot, it's beautifully performed. Um, it really got to me emotionally. And it, it's, it's just the right running time as well. Now, I actually saw this on a plane to start with, so it was not ideal cinematically. Um, but I've watched it again since on a well on a fifty inch TV, which is again not quite the cinema, but um, a bit more convincing visually. And I was just as convinced first time. Now I wondered whether watching it on a on a f- plane, you know, perhaps perhaps I was tired. I hadn't slept for a while. Perhaps it was you know not as good as I thought. Every bit as good as I thought. Um, this is absolutely superb cinema, and. Um, I would thoroughly recommend it to everybody, particularly yourself, Clive. I think it, it would, um, I think it would really be your kind of film. Awesome, yeah, it's gone to the top of my list. I'm just waiting for it to. It's currently in the you have to buy it stage on a <laughs> on Google Play videos and all that stuff. Yeah, waiting for it to go rental, and then I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm excited about. I can't stress to you how natural the performances are, how how natural the story is as well, without being. Um, Without being too subdued, which can happen when a film's trying to be extremely realistic, um, you know the film has a dramatic crux to it, but without ever, you know, having unnecessary, you know, events that just wouldn't happen, this film just lets it flow and it everything feels natural. I said the relationships between the characters, and there is there are more characters than the main two, are just are just excellent and. Um, it really it gave me an insight into an area of society as well that I wouldn't necessarily, you know, know about. And um, I don't know how the film does it per se, but there's a scene where um, they're in they're in the woods camping out, and um, they're obviously extremely cold. The weather is terrible; it's dripping, and I don't know why, but I felt like I was feeling a physical sensation watching it. I felt like I could pick, I could put myself there. I can imagine how cold they were and how wet they were and um, how uncomfortable. And um, I don't know, uh, m- maybe that's credit to the sound design, you know, the, the cinematography. And I said yeah, ma- ma- massive credit to the director, Deborah Granick, who I know is known as much for documentaries as she is for films. Uh, I've seen one of her other films, um, unknowingly, um, Winter's Bone, which I also thought was excellent. Funny, really, that um, I also didn't realise that my top two films of the year were both directed by women as well, which I know there isn't enough um, there isn't enough representation um, behind the camera for women. I said quite by accident, you know. I know some people would probably accuse me of, oh, you're trying to seek out some um, women directors so you can say that they're your favourites. But honestly, both superb. My other favourite film, if you're not guessing, is You Never Really Here by Lynn mm. Ramsey. Can't quite decide which I pref- which I preferred. I think perhaps you were never really here from a technical standpoint, from um, from a stylized standpoint, but perhaps from an emotional standpoint, this film is is top my list. Wowzers. I'm so going to have to go see this soon. <laughs> I'm excited. It does sound right up my street, and I love it when, um, I think you mentioned, it gave you an insight into part of society you didn't really know much about. And yeah. I like it when a film does that. Like, I think... Um, uh, I was terrible at remembering names. Sean Baker, um, his uh, like Florida project, and yeah. the one he did before that about um, the transsexual sex worker scene in um, Tangerine, Tangerine it's called. Yeah. yeah, both excellent, and both kind of give an insight into a thing that I didn't understand that much about, which is always great. So, 
Love that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope I haven't oversold this too much because you, obviously you're going to go in, with, you're going to watch this with sky high expectations now, <laughs> and I'm I'm extremely confident that you will like it. Yeah, I hope I haven't. Sure se- I hope I haven't set you up to be disappointed. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I I just absolutely adored this film. Uh, I really wish I'd caught it at the cinema as well. I mean, it was great watching it. It, it killed three. Well. It, when I say it killed the time, that makes it sound like it was just a chore. It was, you know, it absolutely took away part of my flight. And then I really enjoyed watching it at home as well. Perfect. Sounds great. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. Because, yeah, I did. It was one that I was really wanting to watch when it came out and then missed it for whatever reason. And then kind of it got lost. <laughs> so I'm glad you've brought it up again. Yeah, I, I thought you might, have, um, you might have seen it and were about to review it as well because you seem to, you seem to be as much on the ball with you know independent releases that i do um so that i was surprised to hear that you hadn't you were yeah this is this is a clive film yeah definitely like I said, it was it's definitely on my list it just wasn't out yet um i've have like a list of indie films that i've missed and when they're coming out to be able to watch here <laughs> and uh it was it's on that but it just hadn't come out yet i suppose mm. yeah i mean if if i was doing a poster for this film and it says you know some films say suitable for children. I would put suitable for Clive's, honestly, right on the street. <laughs> Perfect. I'm excited. It's been, a, I think, so far, a really, really good year for films. I was just looking at my top five and I was like, so far. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's as strong as it's been, I think, in the last three or four years. Absolutely, yeah. I think, I think to be honest with you, um, I, I think every year is a relatively strong year. And I keep going into mm. years of films and think, wow, that was a good year. And then you look back at the other years and you're like, Wow, yeah. I think there's always, you can always find, I, I would say at least, five brilliant films of the year. You can always find them. Mm, um, sure. Just because, you know, there's, there's so much vision out there. Um, mm. Especially if you delve into foreign cinema and stuff as well. I mean, oh, there's absolutely. There. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a plethora, a plethora of, you know, talent out there. Um, it's just a shame that I have to work, you know. And uh, Yeah, sucks. <laughs> Oh yeah, and there's there's so many other distractions. You know, there's there's games, there's music, there's TV shows. You know, there's books, there's going out of the house occasionally. You know, <laughs> there is just so much stuff out there. Indeed. Do you have uh, so we're going to be? We were normally at this point we'd probably go through other films we might have watched just in not a lot of detail. Uh, but because we're doing this weekly, we're going to hold back some content. Keep keep you on the hook. <laughs> but let, let's talk a little bit about films that are coming out. Are there, any, okay, fi- are there any films that you are particularly interested in that are coming out in the near future, Clive? Um, I'm interested in the new Wreck-It Ralph, which yeah. I believe is coming out soon, based on I've seen some posters around. November the 30th, I think. Okay, cool. According to my list. There's something coming out on the 16th, and I can't bloody remember what it is that I'm also looking forward to. Well, there was the new, um, there's the new Harry Potter, well, not Harry Potter, but Fantastic Beasts film. Is that what you mean? Okay. I don't think that's what I mean, no. But I am intrigued by that, although I haven't seen the previous one. So yeah, you probably would to. have to see that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what are you looking forward to, Al? What's standing out for you? Well, I it, admittedly, I am looking forward to that, because so, I, I, I saw the, the first Fantastic Beasts films. Really, I'm, I'm not sure I would have done had I not had my... Um, you know, unlimited card. But I, I saw it because of that, and, you know, I did like the Harry Potter films. So, so I will be I will be seeing the second one. I enjoyed the first one a lot more than I thought. I'm seeing Widows today, uh, so that'll be getting a review Ooh, yes. on the next pod. Very excited about that. New film by Steve, Steve McQueen. 
I don't think anybody really predicted he would make this kind of film. When you look at his um, very small back catalogue, Hunger, Shame, 12 Years a Slave, I don't think anybody would have predicted he would make um, a pretty much all-female ensemble heist movie. But it's been well-reviewed elsewhere. It looks excellent from the trailers. Very excited to see this. Also interested in... Actually, you know what I am interested in? Not because I think it'll be good, but because I need to see the contrast. I'm interested in the new girl... Well, it's not the girl with dragon tattoo. That's not the name of this film. But uh, The Girl in the Spider's Web, so the new film about... I forget the name of the character now. But anyway, sequel of sorts to The Girl the girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest, uh, which is, I think, the third of the the original book trilogy. Looks awful, but um, I really want to see that in contrast with the other films. I mean, most of my other releases I'm really looking forward to are in January, so I'm looking forward to things like um, Welcome to Marwen, and I'm a little bit little bit excited about Mary Poppins. Don't know why. I am a little bit, yeah. I hope it's going to be good. <laughs> I really hope it's going to be good. I'm not, conv- not necessarily convinced, but... Um, Emily Blunt is pretty excellent in everything, I think. Um, yeah, I can agree with that. Cool. Well, there's plenty of stuff coming out, so I'm excited about that. Um, Creed 2, I hope that's going to be good. Oh, yeah. When's that out? Do we know the date for uh, that? Yeah, November the 30th, I think. Right. Same here. That, that will be getting seen. Uh, I'm not convinced it'll be as good as the first one, particularly because they've switched director. Um, mm. But we'll see. I really enjoyed the first one. Yeah, we, we'll see what happens. Funnily enough, um, one of the stars of the original film, uh, Tony Bellew, who played his rival, pretty Ricky Condon, in the first film, um, actually fights what's probably his final fight tonight, going for oh, right, okay. an undisputed world title. I think he'll lose, unfortunately, but I hope I'm wrong. Because I, I actually saw a promotion for the film earlier today where um, Michael Jordan, well, B, B. Jordan, we should stress, um, <laughs> was uh, cheering him on, but yeah, interesting, interesting to see. Cool. Um, well, I, I think you know it's a it's a weekly one, so this might be a little bit shorter than some, although it's probably going to still come in close to the hour. I think. Faux I think, show. I think we'll wrap this one up here, Clive. We don't. We're not doing gimmicks anymore because we've run out of jokes. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, hit somebody with hit hit them all with the plugs, please. Plug time! Um, get in contact with the show at stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com or stickaroundpodcast.com slash contact for a form. If you could send us an email, ask us some questions, that would be awesome, particularly as we're now going to do films weekly. If you've got some films questions, we're hoping to have a bit of a segment at the end of each episode where we answer those. So it'd be good to get some um, questions in. That'd be much appreciated. And yeah, like I say, easiest way is probably go stickaroundpodcast.com slash contact. You can put which show you want it to go to. And then uh, just type your question in there. Submit, bam, we get it. So that'd be awesome. Um, you can go on stickaroundpodcast.com for articles. I'm um, doing lots of film reviews at the minute. Um, and hopefully when we do this weekly format, the idea will be I'll review a film on the pod first and then probably do the article after. I think that's the way I'd like to do it. So that's probably what's going to happen. But um, certainly there'll be lots of written content on there, also on music and games and all that stuff. At Stickaroundcast on Twitter is the best place to kind of get updates about everything going on. Every time some article does go up, it'll be mentioned on there. Every time we do a podcast, it'll be mentioned on there. So follow us on that. If you don't have Twitter, um, you can do the same on Facebook by just going slash Stickaroundpodcast, which basically just regurgitates the Twitter feed. So... It's good if you don't have Twitter. And um, stick around podcast on Instagram if you want to see some pictures and stuff that we post now and again. And finally, but not least, Lee, 
That's so weird. Um, you can go to justgiving.com slash fundraising slash stick around to uh, throw some money um, to shelter in our name to help the kind of homeless crisis in the UK. I always forget to put this on the list. I'm going to add it to the list now so that I don't say finally when it isn't actually finally. Um, finally, with <laughs> iTunes, give us five-star reviews because it really bumps up our uh, ratings. I feel a bit... I don't know, pretentious saying ratings because well, <laughs> not sure, yeah. not sure we're quite that good enough yet. But <laughs> it bumps up our uh, listeners. We notice it every time someone gives us a five star review. It uh, really does impact how many people listen to the show. So it would be really useful if you uh, could give us a five star review, you know, or one star, whatever. But make it polarizing yep. and help us out a little bit to kind of reach more people. That would be awesome. I think I've thought of the film you might be thinking of, Clive. So it's Go not a cinematic it. release, but the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, no, the, new not... Co- the new Coen Brothers film, which is a Netflix film. Oh, I've not, he- I've not even heard about this. This I sounds think, intriguing. I, I think that is November the 16th. And there is also the new film by Alfonso Cuaran called Roma, which has been uh, lord, uh, critically lauded. That's it. Which is That's all, the one. It's also, is that the 16th? Uh, yes, but it's also on Netflix, I believe. I don't know if it's getting oh. a cinematic release. Okay, but, cool. Might do, but uh, yeah, I'm very excited for both of those. Yeah, Roma, I've just I heard about it, and then I, yeah, was super excited. So really excited for that. Awesome! Sounds like there's loads of good stuff coming out. So it sounds like we'll definitely have Widows next week, and uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. I've got a couple backed up, and hopefully I'll get to see a new one this week. So we'll see what we do. Cool. But awesome. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next week with films. Uh, we will be carrying on, like I say, with the other ones as well. So there might well be two episodes a week sometimes, depending on. Uh, how much time I've got to edit <laughs> we shall see but um, yeah we'll definitely be back with films next week so we'll see you for that and uh, possibly one of the other shows too Al do you want to say bye to everyone uh, good, goodbye fine gentlemen and ladies and <laughs> ev- other people I like it uh, goodbye everyone remember be kind to each other and stick around stick around blah 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 Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around